we're still in first place, I think, fourth in the AFC. We got a chance to, you know, accomplish a goal that 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 we set out to do, um, and, and that's to to win the AFC South. Obviously, we, we're making it hard on ourselves, but we have to stay focused on that. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and Hold my pocket. Dylan Denmark. So you're saying there's a chance right there. That That's better, Tony, than I felt a little depressed that Leon Searcy taking everybody to class and uh, lecturing them in yesterday's Open. Doug is right. They're in first place. It doesn't feel good, but... Feelings don't matter when it comes to the National Football League standings. Beat Tampa Bay and we'll all feel fine on Sunday. Yeah, look, you it is the way that you expect an NFL team to deal with it, even if the fan base right now feels like everything is slipping through their fingers and there are good reasons to feel that way. Uh, I would expect the locker room this week to be exactly what you heard there from Coach Peterson, right? Trying to get these guys back on the right track, expressing confidence. Hey, guys, we're still in an okay situation. We got to turn it around now. The opportunity's still there in front of you to accomplish what we set out to accomplish to begin the year. Like all those things, I think that should be the message coming out of the locker room. It doesn't mean that we're going to have a whole lot of fans that are going, yeah, I believe, right? Like it's just not going to have a whole lot of that here over the last three weeks of the year. Yeah, by the way, uh, you look very handsome sitting in that chair. I don't oh, know if you. I look that good in that chair. I, I Logs, I'm coming to you for my own personal duck blind this morning, but happy to be with you on this Check the Tape Tuesday. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, doing well. Doing well on this uh, fantastically cold Tuesday. It is. Is this uh, is this your kind of weather? Do you like My wife loves it when it's in the 50s. Oh, well, I like it, and, you know, here's the best part, Mike. You know, usually I come up in here and, and uh, you know, my shorts and my T-shirt, and, you know, it's not quite as cold as today, and I come into the studio, and, and you're wearing long sleeve sweatshirt and sweatpants, yes. and you've got the yes. heat turned up to, like, 75. Sometimes. You know, so it's kind of nice today. We, me and Tony actually have it nice and cool in here today. Yeah. I usually max it out at 74 in the studio, but yeah. that's all right. You know, I, I am I, I'm an older guy. Our blood thins out, Logs, so we, when we get to senior citizenship like myself. But, uh, you know, look, man, it, it's not a good time, obviously, um, surrounding this football team. Uh, this, to me, this performance – was maybe as frustrating as the two before it were, Jeff, even though those were one-score games and you could look at any one play here or there turning the tide and being the difference in the outcome. I just felt like it was so many self-inflicted wounds on this team that we didn't really have a clear picture of just how competitive they could be with the Baltimore Ravens. I'll give the Ravens credit. They won the game. They won the game by multiple scores. Had the Jags been in that position, we would have gone blah, blah, blah. But... Man, it just seemed like they couldn't get out of their own way the other night. Yeah, I think it, every week it's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same theme, right? Where uh, the self-inflicted wounds, beating yourselves, however you want to term it. And it continued again again in this game. You know, you lost uh, a couple a couple situations where you could have gained points early in the first half. You know, a couple missed field goals and then uh, just a terrible, terrible clock management. At the end of the first half, you had three false starts as an offense, uh, and you had a quarterback in the, in the last quarter of the game that clearly wasn't himself, and that's never a, a good recipe for getting wins. And something's got to change uh, as a team. You know, the week before, you had 
four giveaways as an offense and then three explosive plays as a defense because you had communication errors and you had communication errors on on offense. So the one positive, I think, out of this game is that some of the communication things were cleaned up, uh, but at the end of the day, it's still kind of that theme and, and you've got you to flip the script. Look, yeah, Trevor no Lawrence, you know, Demps, Trevor Lawrence is concussion protocol now. We'll see if he's going to be able to play on Sunday. You mentioned, especially the last quarter of the game, basically, there were obviously issues going on with the quarterback. When you look back at the tape from Sunday night, what are the issues that you're looking at there, and how did you feel about his performance overall, even in the first three quarters of that game Sunday? Well, his performance wasn't very good, um, plain and simple. I mean, if you had to put a letter grade on it, you'd give it a D. Um, you know, I, I think he got concussed, and look – I'm not an expert, and I don't know. And the only one that knows is Trevor. But if you look at the game and you watch the tape and you evaluate his performance, I think it happened on the intentional grounding play yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of the third quarter. His head gets slammed down he, pretty he, good there. He yeah. gets whipped. The, the whiplash back of the helmet hits the turf. And then if you looked at the ensuing pass plays, the, the next time he does throw the ball, he has a, a short completion to Ridley. And then I tracked him. Uh, incomplete, and that one was on a third and two to Evan Ingram. You guys will remember he had pressure coming, but it wasn't imminent. And he rushed the throw, and it was wide to the right, and he missed Evan, and he had a yep. defensive tackle dropping out. If he just stays in there for another split second, he's, he's fine. He can make the throw to Evan. The one after that was to Zay Jones that wasn't an accurate throw. The one after that was to Ridley. We were like, where was that ball going? Okay, now I don't know if that was Ridley or if that was Trevor. And then the one after that was the sack caused fumble where, you know, it's third and seven with about uh, 745 to play in a game and you got all three timeouts. You got to punt it. You got to eat the ball and then live to play another series because you still have plenty of time to get the ball back, but he tried to do too much. And then he started running yeah, basically then, the last half of the fourth and, quarter. And, that, and that's fine, you know, but the, but the first half, you know, where uh, – where he lost the control of the ball. It's a third and 17. A third and 17, you, you know, if you're going to run it, fine. Okay, but now all of a sudden you got to realize it's third and 17 and you, you're not going to be a hero. Okay? Right. And then at the, uh, the end of the first half, I put that on coaching. I do. They've got to be in his helmet at that point and say, clock it, clock it, clock it, clock it, clock it. That's all you've got to do is tell him that. And then you can line up and you've got multiple plays after you calm things down and you talk about it and come up with your best play instead of risking having the clock run out on you, which is exactly what happened in the play that was called. You had two guys that were in the end zone and two guys that were in the flat. And if you're going to have that play called, you know, it's got to be thrown into the end zone. It can't be thrown into the flat. So, But to me, it doesn't matter. It's got to be clocked in that situation. Well, I mean, Doug Peterson seemed to allude to yesterday that was obviously a, a decision, and you could tell Trevor was calling something out as he's running down the field, launch, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's giving them the signal that we're going, right? And, you know, it, it seemed that Doug Peterson just indicated yesterday, like, look, a ball needs to be in the end zone or out of the end zone. It, it, that, it, that, yes, that's the play, but it you can't make that play, he seemed to indicate Yesterday said basically it was the same exact play that they scored on uh, Baltimore down the stretch last year with the Marvin Jones touchdown. And um, either way, we can debate that and uh, talk about the decision to go for. But you talk about communication, Jeff. 
I don't see how it gets a whole lot better this week with Zay Jones with a late game hamstring injury. You gotta suspect he's probably not going to be available uh, one week later with a hammy. I mean, I'm hoping that's the case that he would be, but if you get out there and Calvin Ridley's your top guy and there have been miscommunications, then you're talking about Tim Jones, Elijah Cooks, along with Parker Washington. Uh, could we be in for an even heightened uh, game where these guys are not quite on the same page? Well, it could be, and who's your quarterback? You know, so now well, you, that's yeah, that's another thing. Now, sure. you, yeah, you bring up another part of the communication thing there with the quarterback situation. Be, I mean, I would be surprised if, if Trevor is able to come out of the protocol. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of those things that you just – I think just, one player this year has. I yeah, think Brock Purdy had a concussion on Sunday and played the next week, but I think that's the only one so far this year. Yeah, I, I, this one's going to be curious to watch. It's just not very typical that a player has a concussion, especially a high-profile high one, you know, at that position. So, But we'll see. You know, you, you never know, but, Mike, you're right. I mean, it's uh, – you know, you're, you're going to be playing with a lot of guys that have not had a lot of reps, and you're going to be playing with probably a quarterback who has had hardly any reps, you mm-hmm. know, with any of the – well, the only good thing is the saving grace is the reps he's gotten with, those, he's guys. with yeah. those guys. Right. To some extent, you know, and also with, you know, the ones that are on the practice squad. But, but Elijah you know, Cook's breakout incoming. Well, Here I mean, we you, you hope. I mean, but, you know, here's the thing. I mean, Elijah Cooks has been on the roster all year, and, and you've had – Injuries already to wide receiver and his number hasn't been called, so that makes you kind of question, okay, where's his progress at? You know, your offensive line limped through that game at the left side. Uh, I, I give him credit. You know, Walker Little and Ezra Cleveland, uh, they gutted it out. You know, give them give a badge of courage, medal of honor, whatever you want to say, you know, in football. You know, I don't want to confuse that with any kind of military sure. you know, distinction because it's not the same. Uh, but, you know, look, I mean, give them credit. They fought. They battled. And uh, Ezra clearly was was ailing with the knee. And then you could tell that the hamstring took away a lot of Walker Little's power at, at trying to stop the, the power rushes. Uh, but they battled through. Um, and, you know, there were some other components of the offensive line that uh, that weren't great, you know. But uh, this week is going to be a, a little bit of a challenge just because who's going to play where and how. And you, you know, we're going through all the issues that they could be facing in the pass game. That doesn't even begin to touch really on the issues that they currently have in the run game, which are massive, right? And you would feel maybe okay a little bit going into this Tampa game if, okay, Trevor's not going to be able to go this week, but ETN's rolling and the offensive line is opening up a hole every now and then and the pass blocking's good. Like, it's that a lot of the things on offense feel like they're falling apart here for the last month of the season. Well, and typically when you have the issues that you have, and we talked about this a little bit before the game, okay, you know, the communication, the timing is off in the passing game. Okay, well, let's go back to the foundation of our offense, which is, okay, running the football, good performance up front, you know, but you really haven't – you really don't have that as an offense. And I think that creates an issue. And now all of a sudden you're battling more injuries – and if you change a quarterback, okay, well, the new quarterback, C.J. Beathard, what does he have foundation-wise to step into? Well, the foundation is him because this is a quarterback-centric offense mm-hmm. because the running game really hasn't gotten going. And ETN is, you know, part of it is ETN. Part of it is the offensive line. Part of it is, the, you know, is the commitment to the run. And some of those – when all three of those things together are making it incredibly difficult for this team to find success on the ground. 
And against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're pretty good against the run, which is going to be a little bit of an issue this week if you try to go to that as your foundation. All right, if you hear Jeff Logman's voice on this program, you're pretty safe in assuming it's a check the tape Tuesday. So that's exactly what we're dealing with right here. If you'd like to get in today, hit us up on the Alpro Roofing phone lines at 641-1010 with your questions or comments for Jeff, Jaguar-related mostly, uh, 641-1010 on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You can hit us up on social media. I'm watching you pockets, by the way. I see pockets right okay. now. I'm just I'm just monitoring him. Are you feeling good, Pockets, after uh, Jalen Hurts made a run at you last night? No, we good, man. We good. Right, Two picks in the good. fourth quarter. We, we're we safe. All right. Just, I'm safe. Just checking. Just checking on your, your fantasy football state of mind right there. Uh, so uh, hit us up in the YouTube chat. Hit us up on social media, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs 56, or at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket. All right, there you go. All right, check the tape Tuesday. Obviously, a lot to get into. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And as we mentioned yesterday at the outset of the show, doing all this in the uh, understanding that we hope that everything is just absolutely fine with Trevor Lawrence and everybody else who's banged up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it's not going to stop us from looking back and uh, giving you our honest commentary on how we felt that they played this weekend. So you know how to be a part of the program today. Send your questions and comments in or hop on the phone lines and get in live with logs today. It's a check the tape Tuesday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and Dylan Denmark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, Jaguars today on this Check the Tape Tuesday. Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark. You know, Logs, you're talking about Elijah Cooks there and may have to step up and play a larger role, and then we'll see if he's ready for it. And, and you mentioned, well, they see him in practice every day, right? And, you know, we we get these kind of questions all the time. In fact, we got one yesterday, which was hard for me to accept, but why haven't the Jags given Nathan Rourke a chance, Jeff? Uh, I guess they will not have that issue lingering over them anymore as the New England Patriots claimed him off of waivers yesterday. But beyond the the absurdity, at least in my mind, of the question of why Nathan Rourke doesn't get a chance to prove he's better than Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, I get those kind of questions all the time. Well, you've been through a, a million practices Coaches want to win in the NFL. They're not hiding players that they think are better. I mean, I understand there's politics sometimes with contracts and things like that, but I got to believe Doug Peterson and his staff are pulling out every possible stop to win football games, right? Oh, absolutely. The uh, Nathan Rourke, though, that's that's a big deal right now. I mean, if you go into this game, let's say Trevor can't play, now you have C.J. Beathard, who, let's not forget, when he came in relief a couple games ago, he had a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. So, And if Trevor is out, who's going to play next if something happens to C.J. Beathard if Trevor's inactive? Whoever they sign in the next day Going to have to sign somebody, yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, was that the right way to handle that? I mean, with the new rules that you have? 
you know, with Trevor having a high ankle and knowing your backup had a shoulder issue, was that the way to go about the management at that position? Uh, I don't know. But uh, maybe you're just assuming that nobody's going to claim him. Well, there's quarterback needy teams out there that are willing to take a look at, at anybody, especially somebody who set some records up in the CFL and really just hasn't had an opportunity, but had a really good performance in the preseason. So that's that's a tough one right there now. That's a tough loss. Just because now, just because of the security situation of yeah. it. Sure. But you know, uh, the suggestion was basically why doesn't Nathan Rourke get a look if Trevor isn't playing well? Like is yeah, come that's on. Crazy. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. That's the a- aspect that I think is crazy. Um, you know, look, even if they didn't put him on the active roster, sign him to the active roster, and then wave him to sign him back to the practice squad, he would have been on the practice squad and eligible to be signed by another team anyway. Now, the Jags may have said to him, hey, you know, stay here for these reasons, but it would have been somewhat out of their hands if he decided that the situation was better. Like, if he said, hey, you know what, if I get up to New England, maybe I'll get a chance if Bailey Zappi stumbles. I'm not going to get a chance to play except because of injury in Jacksonville. So they might have lost him anyway, even if he had been back on the practice squad. You maybe, just don't know. Maybe, you but know? You know, the, the one thing about on the practice squad is the player's choice. If right. They leave, okay, when when you go on the waiver wire, it's not your choice. I got it. I, I totally understand it. I'm just saying he yeah. may have chosen to say, hey, I think I'm closer to actually playing meaningful football up there. Like, you know, Mac Jones, they – decided it looks like that they're moving on from so zappy has played fairly well the last couple weeks but let's say he got hurt or what i just feel like next year's opening day starter in new england is to be determined in jacksonville it's determined right and that's right. that that's all i'm saying um, right uh, it, it, it would would have been nice to have him just because he's familiar with the system sure you know he, he's a guy that uh from from me just watching him i think at the very least he's a quality backup in this league i'm talking a quality backup so uh but you know it is what it is and good for him because you know look this team still you know has some positive things to and feelings about him and now he's going to get an opportunity to go elsewhere and get in front of another coaching staff, which is good for his career. All right, uh, shall we get to the phone lines for the first time today? It is a Check the Tape Tuesday if you'd like to get in, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Just keep it reasonably succinct and uh, clean, certainly, uh, for Jeff Lagerman here with your Jaguar questions or concerns. We'll begin with Kevin on the south side this morning on Jaguars Today. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Um, uh, Tank Bixby, um, with, with his uh, capacity, not I think maybe he's playing special teams, but uh, can't we go into to Buffalo's practice squad and, and bring back Leonard Fournette? He's a proven commodity. Uh, can catch the ball. I mean, that would, I mean, my opinion would upgrade the uh, running game. What do you think? Well, let me say this um, about the running game. First of all, if you're going to fix the running game, I think you need to be better up front first and foremost, and then also you have to have a commitment to it. But right now, that's not where this team is at. I mean, this team right now is is a past-first team. Yeah, the running backs got seven carries on Sunday night. And Bigsby had one carry for minus two yards. I don't think it's a matter of changing the running backs out. I think it's, you know, it's being committed to the run. It's also a matter of improving the performance of the blocking up front. And I don't think that, look, could you put Marcus Allen back there and be better? You know, probably going to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But, uh, 
well, I mean, not at the age that he's at now, but in his prime. But, yeah. you know, Leonard Fournette's not going to fix the running game here. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Jeff, it felt like the back-to-back divisional wins against Tennessee and Houston, that they they were committed to at least trying to run the ball, right? Like, they felt like they were in that kind of groove in the offense at that point. It wasn't particularly effective, but they kept going to it, right? It's They didn't give up on it. Like, it has felt like they've given up on it basically in the last three weeks during this losing streak. The, the offensive line, maybe you have pieces that are moving in and out so you feel a little bit worse about it now than you did when you were winning those back-to-back divisional games, but I don't think the changes have been drastic enough that there that's a reason to try to run the ball as little as they have the last three weeks. No, and, and look, uh, when you talk about fixing something like that, I mean, that's an off-season fix. Yeah. You know, it's not – I mean, can you can you get a little bit better now? Sure. Uh, I thought at the beginning of the game against Baltimore on Sunday night, I thought they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out and they were physical. They were doing a good job of moving some people. And then it kind of just, I don't want to say it just stopped, but it just drifted away a little bit. The, the, the intent and then also the performance drifted off a little bit. And uh, is this something that's going to be an easy fix? You know, look, I, I, I've mentioned this before. You go back to the Indianapolis Colts when they won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy and they couldn't stop anybody running the ball. And, Mike, you point out about uh, Bob Sanders being a big part of that, being added at the safety position, and that was part of it. You know, so personnel's got to have something to do with it. But that's, that's a hard thing to fix in the middle of the season, especially when you have a, an offensive line, the left side, that's ailing, okay, then the center part of your offensive line hasn't been – particularly strong and run blocking so far this year anyway. So, you know, this is kind of a situation where it is what it is, and it's a quarterback-centric offense, and this offense is going to go as the quarterback goes. And if Trevor doesn't play well, as he didn't on Sunday night, this team is not going to fare well as it did on Sunday night. All right, so, but, okay, they're not running it well, but we also hear about, well, you still have to be committed to it because you have to preserve the – possibility of play action I mean obviously like Tony was saying they they seem to have reached a point in the second half of these games where like I don't even know if it's worth trying to trick anybody because nobody's being tricked here I mean ETN combined in the last two weeks has run for negative yardage in the second half so Jeff do they have to show it just to I don't know slow down the pass rush just a little bit in the hopes of maybe popping one or you know just so you don't have guys teeing off on whoever is playing quarterback even if it's not effective do they still have to have a somewhat balanced approach just to quote-unquote keep the defense honest yes but I think what's up for debate is what's that number about you know I mean what's the percentage you know that you're trying to achieve I mean a lot of people sit there and go well 50 percent well I mean for some teams yeah for this team, though, I think, you know, running the ball's got to be somewhere in the 30% range, you know, 35%. And I think if you do that, and if if it's effective, that's fine. Because a lot of the running game that this offense has is the little short, complete passes to Evan Ingram, hitting ETN out of the backfield. I mean, some of those things are really essentially kind of runs for this offense. So, um, it's a great debate, and we all want to have a team that can come out and just motor grade, you know, four and a half yards of carry and, you know, rack up 150 yards a game and then, you know, have great balance and be like the, the 49ers. But right now, that's just not the style of this offense, and it's not going to – I don't think it's going to change just because that's not the way this offense is designed. 
And by the way, for the guy who uh, mentioned Tank Bigsby maybe playing special teams, I looked up the snaps. He does One on offense, two on special teams. Yeah, he doesn't what... play special teams. No, uh, very, very little at least. All right, back to the lines we go. Uh, Steve on the north side on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Duval. Duval. <laughs> What's up, Jim? I got a question. They say uh, find a positive and the negative. Is there anything you see positive? with what's going on through the down first that we're going through. Like, is it uh, we do move the ball somewhat or we get caught up in the red zone? I know that's probably like one thing that you might say, but other than that, do you see any good that we're doing in our sign I, I didn't hear the first part of this question. It's do you see anything good that they're doing during this down run he mentioned red zone like they're at least effective getting into the red zone it feels like right now but beyond that <laughs> is there anything else that you like about the team well right look, I, I like so what some of what this team is doing at, at times but the consistency is the biggest problem you know for example like this pass game I like the way that the defense prevented the big play I like that they got a takeaway okay they Obviously didn't corral Lamar Jackson, but it wasn't as if that that killed him. I mean, they were still were staying in the ballgame. If the offense was able to pay some dividends back on the defensive stops in this ballgame, it's okay, okay, to give up some run, rush yards. You know, the offense. You know, look, you put up over 30 points two weeks in which you lost. You know, so, I mean, I like that aspect of it. And then the defense had communication breakdowns. The hardest thing in the world about, about this level of football is the consistency week in and week out and eliminating the mistakes through changes of lineups, different opponents, different schemes, and that's hard to do. And right now there's not consistency with this football team. It seems like it's a, a little bit of a merry-go-round, so to speak, of, of mistakes, you know, where they take turns in different categories or different areas or aspects of this football team. You know, it's a perfect example. I mean, we, we never imagined that this team would miss two field goals in a, mm-hmm. in a home game, right, where the weather conditions are not great, but they're not terrible. Yeah. And whoever would have thought that out of Brandon McManus? I mean, not me. He struggled in two home games this year. Well, He's been one, great outside of that, basically. The one but... that he made of uh, the extra point, did, did you see the oh, trajectory yeah. of, oh, yeah. of that one? It was trying to miss. Uh, it was it was hooking to the left <laughs> around the post, the left mm-hmm. post, you know. So, don't you get two points for that? Like if you can curve it behind the post, don't you get an extra point? Yeah, I, I'm all for it, Tony. You should yeah, look. I recognize that. he 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 had a push fade on the first one, Tone, and hit the post. I understand the overcompensation. I'm going to hook that one in the lake on the next shot too. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if it was that simple or not. But uh, Lux, let's get another question in before we hit the break here. Eric in Jacksonville is on the line. Eric, you're on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Go ahead, please. Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, Jeff, I'm curious. Pre-snap routine, it just seems like I know we've given a lot of liberty to Trevor to make some changes, make a line adjustment, but, you know, with the battered offensive line that we got, it just feels like the last few games, maybe even more so the trend of the season has been he's taken a lot of time pre-snap Like you it lost. could use some huh. rhythm. Well, look, uh, I, the the management of the offense, for the most part, has been really good by Trevor. Um, 
haven't had a ton of delay of games. Obviously, you had the one issue. It was even after the clock stoppage. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on with that? But for the most part, the operation of the offense, I think this year has been pretty good. And that's something that I think Trevor does a really good job with. Uh, the one thing that is hurting this offense is the self-inflicted penalties that they're having. This past game, the three false starts were just like, wait a minute, what are we doing? Can't have that. You know, Evan had one. I think uh, Sheriff had one. And who had the other one? Uh, Walker Little. Yeah. You know, had three false starts in that ball game. And then also, if you have penalties uh, during the play itself, then you're all of a sudden looking at being behind the sticks a little bit on down and distance. And that's not good for this offense. You know, but I like the way the offense is operating as far as at the line of scrimmage and the way that they're giving themselves plenty of time. Trevor has had plenty of time to change the play. This past game, he had plenty of time to vary the cadence. The issue was is that his offensive mates were not ready for the variation of the cadence, Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit of a problem. You know, you've got to be able to have that weapon in your arsenal. Your quarterback's got to be able to use hard count and change of cadence. Especially at home. At home, absolutely. And your offense, the rest of your offensive guys, got to be ready for that. And and I think part of the the change of cadence led to the false starts in this game, which is that's not a good thing. All right, bottom of the hours here. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more of your questions on the all-pro roofing phone lines. If you want to get in there, the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Got a bunch of them on social media for Jeff Logman as well. And hopefully we can figure out a formula that the Jaguars can at least piece together a victory against the Tampa Bay Bucks and stop the bleeding this Sunday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and Dylan Denmark on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, folks, Mike Dempsey here for Dandy Foods. Anytime you're on the go in Duval, and that's a lot, right? Duval is so spread out. Anytime you think it's a quick trip to the store, it might end up taking you 30 minutes. Well, anywhere you're going in Duval, you're going to swing by a gate station. You can fill up the car, but most importantly, you can fill up your belly. Fuel your body with delicious Dandy food sandwiches, subs, breakfast items, light lunchtime wraps, salads, protein packs, you name it. If it's convenient, delicious, high-quality food on the go, Dandy's got your back. Tuna salad, that's my line right there. I'm going to go to it every single time. But you could try a different Dandy variety every day, and you wouldn't even hit all of them in a month. So swing into a gate station, head to the Fresh Case, and know that everything Danny makes, and they're a local company, by the way, they make it with the highest quality ingredients, locally sourced as often as possible. Keep it fresh and keep the prices down. When you're hungry in Duval, do what I do. Go out and make yours a Dandy and do it today. Flogman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, Check the Tape Tuesday rolls on here on 1010XL. Jags on their first and hopefully only three-game losing streak of the season and uh, heading to Tampa on Sunday, still clinging by their fingernails to first place with the Colts and the Texans right there with them at 8-6, and six, and it does not get any easier in the National Football League. So, uh, guys, let's jump back into it at uh, 641 Ten ten. A lot of people have questions, Jeff. Very understandable based on the current state of affairs. So, set out to Bill in San Jose next up this morning on Ten Ten XL. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good morning, Bill. I, uh, We're good. Tony's good I, too. 
<laughs> good. And Tony's good, too. Pockets is, um, too. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. I have a question about the broadcast of the game. It was Sunday night football, you know, prime time. And it was probably the worst telecast I've experienced in a long time. Uh, they kept having uh, missing plays. The screen would lock up, and they'd come back three, four, five seconds later. And I didn't know if, if you were aware of it or if you could give me an explanation as to what happened. Well, I, yeah, I couldn't uh, tell you what was going on with the broadcast personally because, uh, you know, we're we're calling the game. Mike, you did you see the TV? Uh, I did notice a glitch or two. There there were a couple of glitches. And, you know, when you see, I, I don't know, is that like internally? Is that in the building? You know what I mean? So, um, and, and plus we watch what is called the in-house feed, which is just like a raw feed of what you're getting on TV, but it doesn't cut to commercial. You get some different angles uh, and it's more synced up with the radio broadcast, which is why we try to watch that. So I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I hadn't heard that, but. You know, um, that's one that's uh, outside our pay grade and as in, far as that And, and if it was off in any sorts, I mean, look, uh, NBC typically does an amazing job with broadcasts, the number of camera angles that they have. I mean, everything is typically quality, so not exactly sure what was going on. Speaking of the number of camera angles yes. that they have, how was that not a touchdown for Calvin Ridley? Yeah, great question. And uh, I just think because of the call on the field, they were hesitant to change it. Uh, but, I mean, when you looked at the video evidence and you, and you freeze it, it really looked like a catch. But if you had just a little closer look of the white line underneath of his hip, mm-hmm. I think they would have done it, you know, but they just didn't have that look. So it was hard to say to have, you know, you've got to have definitive, overwhelming evidence to overturn the call on the field. And I don't know if they felt like they had it. I thought it was a catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally. I did too. And you know, from what we heard, what they discussed on the broadcast uh, is it Terry McCauley who does the NBC? I believe it's um, Terry, yeah. As the rules guy, that he thought it was a catch too. That uh, he thought they they blew it on the replay. That, like that they, was an amazing catch, by the way. In the broadcast, I was like, oh my gosh, he he dropped it. But then right, all of a sudden, but, when you saw the yeah. replay, it was deflected, and the concentration that Calvin had on that just to absolutely. To just to find a way to catch it, whether he was inbounds or not, was ama- amazing itself. But then all of a sudden, when they showed the replay, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. It not, not only got deflected, but I think he caught it and stayed in bounds. How in the world do you do that on that play? But uh, I thought he did. But, you know, the other thing, too, like the, uh, the roughing that wasn't called on McManus. Yeah. I thought that that was a roughing. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, he his plant leg wasn't hit. And a lot of times the officials look at, was the plant leg hit or was it the kick leg coming down because the kicker can manipulate that leg a lot to make it look like or appear that kind there was a lot of contact. landed on a guy, yeah. Right. So I, I think that that's what, they were, that's what they were thinking on that. Yeah, that seemed like a candidate for the five-yard running into the kicker variety right there because you watch that replay McManus swings his leg it's past like the point where his other leg is and the guy kind of rolls into it I don't know what else McManus could have done to get out of the way 
at that point. Who, but, was it uh, Wingard that got the complete acting job yeah. of the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. He scored on the next play, throwing <laughs> at Wingard. But at he, right, did, that, he did draw we, the penalty. Yeah. We did say in the studio, don't give up the touchdown on this play, Wingard. And, uh, yeah, but it was a pretty good uh, – Pretty good job right there. He really sold me, Logs, because when I saw the replay, I'm like, oh, that's terrible, right, in, in, a, in, a, in a funny way. But yes. uh, it, the guy looked like he, you know, he gave him a body check is what, what he made it look like. Was the kick after that? I'm thinking makeup call if so. No, the kick was on the opening yeah, drive, okay, right? I, I couldn't remember. Yeah, the Jags' yeah. opening drive, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was much later in. I'll say, so maybe it was a makeup from the other way, yeah, right? And I'll say oh, we should have called that one on McManus for maybe. McManus and whether or not it should be a penalty. I think if a quarterback gets rolled into like that three seconds after a throw, they might throw the flag, right? Like that's the way quarterbacks are being no protected in the league right now. But kickers, maybe not so. Well, much. look, uh, there was a there was, as you bring that up, protecting quarterbacks. Um, you remember when Trevor was running down the field and Roquan Smith mm-hmm. hits him? I mean, did he not raise the forearm to the head and neck area? It of was Trevor? close, yeah. I-, I thought it was very clear that yeah. he took a forearm and took it across the head of Trevor. Now, it wasn't a massive blow that made the head snap or anything like that, but just the simple motion of the arm coming up to the head and neck area of a quarterback while he's running or any runner, particularly at that uh, at that time. Uh, to me, I'd like to see what happens this week from a fine standpoint because if I'm the Jaguars, I'm turning that play in. Why was this not called? Why why does this let mm-hmm. why why are we not protecting our quarterback in this situation? Right. All right, back to the lines we go on a check to tape Tuesday six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines. Darren on the west side is next up. What's up, Darren? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, quick question and quick comment for Jeff. Uh, quick comment is, I'll just be honest with you guys. If I told my whole entire crew that I was hanging out with at work on the Friday that if if I was the Jags coach, I would have I would have set all of my injured players because we're in the same identical spot where we are right now, except now we've got more injuries, and I would have rested my offensive linemen and I'm just telling you, that's what I would have done. And I know a lot of people, and y'all will probably disagree with me, but that's what I would have done on on, on Sunday night. And my question for Jeff is, Jeff, with this young team, with the little success that we have had over the last several years, do you feel like they're, they're playing with a lot of pressure on them? We were 8-3, and three, and now all of a sudden the pressure is building on them, and I'll hang up with us, guys. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Well, first of all, the, the observation about sitting the offensive line, and, and I think that um, – Coaches, they all take that into consideration. Uh, the biggest thing that they're thinking about is, okay, is if we play them this week, is it going to make it worse? And a lot of that is a medical, is a medical answer, but it also requires the input of the player. So uh, I understand what you're saying, and uh, and I and I appreciate that, and that's a, a great topic of discussion. But I think that this this coaching staff and the players are making the right decisions to where there is no long-term type mm-hmm. of impact. And there's that balance, right? Because if you go to it, you don't want any of your guys that maybe it would help them to have a week off, but you don't want to go to any of those guys in that room and say, do you need a week off? And them go, yeah, I need a week off. Like you want all your guys to be like, no, I'm playing. Right? Like that's the attitude that you need from them. So if they're not going to play, it has to be the medical staff or somebody that's telling right. you, they can make it significantly worse this week if they go. And if you're not getting that, they play. That's right. And and, and look, they've got a great medical staff. 
I mean, great medical staff. So uh, I think that they do a very good job of that. Now, what was the second part of his question there? The uh, forget. Are we both going to all three yeah. of us going to draw a blank on that? All four of us. Yeah, four of us. <laughs> you two pockets. I got nothing. All yeah. right. Gosh, we're so bad. But yeah. it, it just looks in general. I mean, that's just not the way it's done, right, in football. Like, if you can play, you play, rarely. Now, it'd be like a different story like last year, go, knowing that no matter what happened in Week 17, it absolutely didn't matter that Week 18 was going to determine the AFC South, right? And that was a one-game scenario, and that was, in fact, the scenario. This one here, I mean, I don't think you've got to win a few games, and this is an opportunity to win one of those games. And I am of the mind watching it, that team was very gettable on Sunday night if the Jags don't continually shoot themselves in the foot. It's not a guarantee that they're going to win. So I just don't think that NFL mentality is going to allow this team right now who came in at 8-5 and five, to go, oh, yeah, the Ravens are unstoppable. Let's rest our players because we're not going to win anyway. I just – I NFL – People generally are just not wired that way, right? Right, and and here, let me let me jump back because I remember now, Mike, because I don't want to okay, forget. Okay, good. Okay, the, the question was about a young team dealing with pressure mm. in this situation. Are they putting too much pressure on themselves? Yes. And I don't think that this is a team that is putting pressure on themselves no more than anything anything else. I mean, look, it's this is you always have pressure. The NFL is one of the most pressure packed jobs that there is. And for a lot of reasons, because you're paid to win games. And when you're not winning games or you get on a three-game losing streak, you know, you know, the old saying is it runs downhill and, and sometimes it ends up in the player's lap. And that's just part of the game. And it's part of the business. And, uh, and, and it's also hard sometimes from an emotional standpoint because the pressure is there, but then also you have, you have a lot of discomfort whether it's emotional, mental, and then also physical, all because of the, the, the occasion that you're dealing with. But, look, this football team I think is fine. You know, and here's the reality. At the end of the day, even though you've lost three consecutive games, you are the number four seed. You control your own destiny, okay? And what more could you ask for? You're, you play for this pressure. Yes. I mean, this, right? is, like, this is why you want to be in the league. You, you sweat and bleed and uh, – sustain injuries and everything else and play through all that stuff for the opportunity in which you are right now with three games remaining with an opportunity to clinch the AFC South to ensure yourself a home playoff game. This is why you do all of that work. This is, this is what you're, you're getting paid dollars for. I mean, this is fun. This is the fun aspect of the game. And so I think as a player, you, you got to enjoy the moment and here. And here's the other thing. You've got a really good coach and Doug Peterson, who's been there. He's done that. I think he does a, a great job of handling this roster, of handling this football team, and it's going to be a challenge for him, and that's just part of the deal. And But, you know, I think also as Jaguar fans, I'm looking forward, as because I am a fan at the end of the day. I'm looking forward to see what this team can do with the three games remaining and to see if they can seize the moment. Because, you know what, you can, you can forget about a three-game losing streak very quickly if all of a sudden this team starts to play well? I don't disagree. I think if you have a resounding victory this week, you might forget about it, right? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, don't feel great about all the circumstances surrounding this team, health-wise, particularly a quarterback. And Tampa's won three in a row, and Baker Mayfield is red hot 
right now, and uh, that team has a lot to play for as well. So beat the Bucks, and then you're going to look and go, oh, we're going to beat the Panthers, right? <laughs> and then, you know, you'll see where the chips fall, and maybe along the way, each of uh, Indy and Houston pick up a loss, and then all of a sudden uh, you're in a lot more control of the division. But as Tony and I were talking about yesterday, you got to win. This is yeah. you got to take care of your business, and all the rest will take care of itself. Right, halfway home on a check the tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman. Uh, you can continue to get in at six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines. We'll check in on the text line as well, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, and a bunch of questions that we've compiled here on social media for Jeff as we enter hour two of Jaguars today. Keep it right here on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. The Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, hour two of Jaguars today. Check the tape Tuesday. Looking back at the carnage that was versus the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football. Wonder when the next time we'll see Sunday night football at Everbank Stadium. Uh, win the division and put some pressure on them to get them back on next year. There you go. Yeah. Right? Finish the deal. Do not collapse and miss the playoffs, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Tony, why don't you uh, give us a little sampling of what the mood is over there on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Oh, it's a sunny place. Oh. It always is, right? I'm, oh. I'm glad you're in charge of that today. Oh. Over on the text line, we got a bunch of questions that are relating to the run game in a bunch of different ways, right? And, and it's not ideas that we don't see a bunch. You know, some people saying, should they add a fullback? Should they change the, you know, the five starting guys on the offensive line? I'll ask it this way, Jeff, with we with so many different people taking different angles at it. What can they do to help fix their problems in the run game right now with the options that they currently have in-house? Because there's nothing outside the building that's going to help them. They got what they got. What they, what can they do to improve in that area starting now? Well, I think in uh, what we were just talking during the break there that uh, you're going to have Cam Robinson eligible to get back in the next week or two, mm-hmm. which I think would give you a more physical left tackle and also a, you know hopefully a healthier left tackle you know, with Walker Little dealing with the hamstring right now. Hopefully the health of Ezra Cleveland continues to trend in a positive direction. He kind of gutted through that. But number one is better performance up front. And – you know, I think at some point you may even consider if you get Cam back and you got Ezra and you know Sheriff and uh, Anton at right tackle, you may even consider changing out the center, putting Shatley in at center to see if you can get a little bit stronger performance in the middle of your offensive line. Uh, I think that is probably an option. Uh, you can't change the scheme. You know, and although everybody's like, you know, get a fullback and let's, you know, let's play two tight ends. Look, you are what you are. You know, you're going to run the offense that you have, and it's too late to change schemes. So right now you just got to maximize what you're doing right now. And part of that also is staying committed to it when you need to, not just staying committed to it just because, well, you know, we need to stay committed to it. We're down by 14 in the fourth quarter. We're going to stay committed to the run. No, that's not what you do. How much have they been hurt by Britton Strange not being available in the last three oh, weeks in the run game. He's one of your best blockers, you know, and I know that everybody's like, oh, how can we draft a blocking tight end with a second-round pick? Look, the guy's a good player. Good player, good blocker. I think 
in time, he will evolve into more of a wide receiver because he's a very capable wide receiver. He's got talent. And uh, with the foot injury now, what is this, the third game that he just missed with yeah. a foot? You know, foot foots are, are kind of interesting injuries in that, uh, they're, you know, look, it's hard to rest a foot and to get it better because everything you do requires you to put weight on a foot. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of an unknown. I mean, one of the worst injuries that I ever had was a foot injury, and uh, it completely wiped me out for the end of the season back in 95, the first year of the franchise. So uh, but if you can get him back, yeah, that would help. Uh, Luke Farrell and him, I think that combination of those two guys and then having Evan Egram even at times in a three-tight end set where he can block more on the on the perimeter and some of the back-end guys, that's a good combination to have. But, yeah, getting everybody back healthy. When I say healthy, health is always relative at this point in the season. Well, as you mentioned, and I'm not disagreeing with you here, but as you mentioned, getting everyone back, you said Cam Robinson, Ezra Cleveland, right side. We'll see what the, about center. Obviously, that puts Walker Little on the bench, right? So Walker Little is, I guess, you're not not your best left tackle option or your best left guard option at the moment. You know, we've been watching the Cam Robinson contract situation for several off seasons, wondering how long it's going to continue to play out this way with Little waiting in the wings. Uh, Twenty one million dollar plus cap hit. For Cam next year, if he's on the roster, it's only five if you move on from him. What's the future of Walker Little if at this point he hasn't shown he's the best option at either one of those spots? Well, he's not the better. You know, when I say he's not the best option right now, Mike, that's mainly because of health. Okay, um, do you think he's a better op- – if everyone's fully healthy, who are your best two right now on the left side? Uh, that's great. I think Ezra's your best guard. And, okay. And I think it's a coin flip when you talk about left tackle. But, but what are you looking for? I think if you're looking for somebody that's got a little edge and pass protection, I would say Walker Little. If you're looking for somebody okay. that maybe has a little bit of edge, finesse, attitude in the run game, then you would probably go Cam Robinson. In, in a perfect world, you'd like to find a way to get all those guys on the field, and maybe part of the answer to that is Walker Little going to the right side. When I say the right side, when I say right side, I'm talking about maybe even right guard in the future. You know, if you're looking ahead, which you know we can do that here, uh, I think that the future left tackle is Anton Harrison. I do, I do. I mean, the guy's got feet that's just fantastic, and that's his natural position. Uh, I would say Ezra Cleveland at left guard, center is to be determined. Uh, right guard is to be determined, and then right tackle. I would love to see Cam and uh, to be. I mean, he's a perfect right tackle. He's big. He's physical. He's strong. He's got. An attitude. He plays hurt. He's uh, uh, he's got uh, great leadership. He's a veteran guy. Uh, but the question is, is you know, can you make all of that happen? Looking into the future with some of the contract situations that you're going to be dealing with with Trevor Lawrence and others. You know, I I, I don't know the answer to that because I don't know the numbers. But if you're just ignoring the numbers, love to keep them all. Okay, Walker Little is a swing guy or starting right guard, uh, and then having Cam at right tackle. And question of that also brings up another question. Is that happiness for him? You know, moving well, a guy for, from, for, for Walker Little as well, who has got to realize that, you know, if he's seen as a competent left tackle, he's going to make more money than he is playing right guard. No doubt. Right. You know, so, yeah. And, and look, we don't want to, and Tony and I were saying yesterday, like, let's worry about the offseason and the offseason. It was just interesting that you brought it up and that was the way you went through it. So I just wanted to. 
deviate from that uh, mm-hmm. for a moment and kind of see what your thoughts are. By the way, were. Demps, the Jags yes. are signing a quarterback. A uh, quarterback who's been here before. They are signing EJ Perry to their practice squad. So okay, it could have, that could have gone a lot of ways there, Tony. <laughs> could have gone a lot of ways right there. It absolutely could. And and so logs, I'll ask you. It's something that we've we discussed a lot on the show yesterday. It was obviously an issue again on Sunday. How can Trevor Lawrence's issue with fumbling the football get fixed? Um, stop trying to do too much. You know, because if you look at both of those plays that he fumbled in the game, he was trying to do too much. You know, third and 17, you're not going to make it. So just slide and and kick the field goal. And then on the third and seven, third and eight, there was nothing there. Uh, just, just eat it, okay, or throw it away. You know, and that's just situational right. awareness, I think, Gotta in both of away. those things uh, or both of those cases. Uh, better decision-making, I think, solves a lot of that. Don't you think, though, like, to me, I thought he was trying to slide. Like, uh, when he fumbled the ball, it looked like he's pulling the ball in with his left arm. He's going to brace it against his chest as he's getting ready to throw his feet out in front of him. And as he's pulling it towards his chest, he just lost a grip on the football. That's, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's not a natural motion to slide with two hands around the ball, right? So, I, I really think, Logs, that he was trying to, like, he was, he, he so you saw... We're saying the same thing. It's third and 17. We're yelling at him, get down, get down, get down. we got to get three points out of this. And, and and watching that replay over and over and over again, that's what it looks like to me, that he that it was just a physical mistake. I didn't think it was a mental mistake that I think he knew he had to get down there. I just think he just lost control of the football, or, or did you not see it that way? Mm, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to you know take a peek into his mind. I mean, a little bit looked like that uh, it was uh, an indecisive moment of what to do next once he really realized that there really wasn't anything that was going to be happening. Uh, but the reality is you just got to keep that from happening and protect the ball. The one thing that uh, and that we can all see on that play, the ball was not tucked away. The ball was being held as if he was could be a possible thrower. In that case, look, I mean, how far into the play was he? I mean, look, you can't keep holding the ball like that. You know, you no, gotta, I hear what you're saying. You I, I, I just think I, I do think you're right. He got he kind of got in between a when to make the decision and do I dive forward, do I slide? But I do think at the last second he, you know, just looking at the body language, it looked to me like that motion was one that was he's getting ready to start a slide. Regardless of you know, if he just hangs on to the ball there, logs, even if he ends up taking a big hit. You know, you don't want him to take the big hit. It's an awkward moment, but at least you survived to get the points on the board. So. Anyway, uh, we beat that into ground for two days, and deservedly so, but that's where things stand with that play. Uh, let me get one in here from social media before we hit our next break, Logs. Uh, see if you agree with this, but uh, in terms of Evan Ingram and his usage now, let's presume Zay Jones doesn't play this week with the hamstring issues. He got Ridley at the top of the wide receiver depth chart, a lot unproven behind him. By the way, Jamal Agnew only played 10 offensive snaps in this game. If You know what I mean? It's not – he just produced on those snaps. But Evan Ingram, right, got to be a big target for Trevor Lawrence. So uh, on Twitter uh, from PMAC, he said, why does the passing offense not u- utilize the middle of the field? Ingram seems ideal for seam routes. Do you agree with that? Like, he, he runs a lot of crossers and stuff like that, but getting him downfield – down the seam, is that something the Jaguars should expand on, in your yes. opinion? Yes, 
Yes, because he's one of those guys that's left that you trust completely. Uh, you know, at the start of the season, you trust Zay. You like Christian, and you trust him. Calvin Ridley had to kind of earn his way. Jamal, you trusted him. You know, but Evan's the guy that you really trust, and he's going to be where he needs to be. His catch percentage is ridiculously high. I think, can they get him more involved? Absolutely. You know, especially being that you're looking at not having Zay and Christian and, and Calvin Ridley is still a work in progress. You know, find, find more creative ways to get the ball to the ones you trust, and Evan falls into that category. By the way, his catch percentage, which is – like 80.7, the highest catch percentage of any receiver in the top 20 in the National Football League. And uh, and he's now, what does he have reception-wise now? He's 84? at 80, 88 now. 88, Eight, that's right. Yeah. 88 receptions. He's going to break the – which is a, a new franchise record for tight ends and receptions. And then he, I know he needed like 66 yards, which he did not get this past week, to end up breaking his own record of receiving yards. But uh, he's going to eventually get that – uh, he's a he's a great player. Love him, and uh, I wish defenses played him more like a true tight end. That's the one issue. You know, when people talk about getting Evan the ball more, and and like I said, I'm all for it. If defenses treated him more like a true tight end, it would open up a lot of opportunities. But opposing teams treat him like a wide receiver. They match him up with DBs. And uh, and and so you wish you had a little different matchup with him week in and week out. Yeah, but they, you know, um, they're not dummies, right? That's the the type of player he is. So uh, they're probably smart for doing it. But twelve catches away logs in the final three weeks from joining the Jimmy Smith Club. That's right. He's the only member of the 100 reception club in Jaguar history. Yeah. As Tony looked it up the other day, did it twice, Tone. Yeah, and 17 straight games for Evan Ingram where he's had four or more catches. Yeah, and that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, so, how many drops you know, They are utilizing him, right? It's just that, you know, maybe they need to expand it a little bit more, but it's not like they're going away from Evan Ingram. He's been a consistent part of any kind of passing game success that they've had since he's gotten here, so – Anyway, uh, we'll take a timeout on that, and I got a bunch of them that have backlogged here on social media. We'll fire them off to Jeff Logman, and still plenty of time for you to get in. A couple more segments to go, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, this is a funny one to me in the uh, YouTube chat right now, Tone. We don't we don't delve into there too often if you think the text line's bad. Uh, Belichick is playing chess while Balky is playing checkers that he claimed Nathan Rourke just to expose the idiocy of not rostering a third quarterback when your first two are injured. Never mind the fact that New England just had their practice squad quarterback claimed by the Chargers opening up a hole for them on their own depth chart. Forget that part of it. Mm -hmm. But no, Belichick's just out there. He knew. I mean, come on, man. People, I don't. You live in conspiracy land. What are you talking about? Anyway, yeah. All right, uh, Tony, Mike. 
I, no, no, but uh, you know, I, I'm just I I see things like that, and I realize that these are the same people that could be driving right next to you on 95. You have no idea, you know, what their mental capacity is, and uh, we take our lives into our own hands every time we get out there on the roads uh, with these. I'll call them harebrained conspiracy theorists, and that's being polite. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, we had somebody on the text line yesterday, Logs, that was asking. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence made up the concussion so that he didn't have to go talk to the media after that oh, game? Right? I like, mean, like and he's, really, he, he's committing to the role, Tony, because he. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's but people, a little much. People believe that. Uh, at least some do. Uh, hard to believe that they do, but that is uh, apparently the case. All right, uh, Tony, why don't you? Take us around the rest of the league that is certainly out to get us. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Well, as we've been mentioning throughout the show, the Patriots have claimed quarterback Nathan Rourke off the waiver wire after he was waived by the Jaguars over the weekend. The Houston Texans have claimed defensive tackle Tier Tart off of waivers after he was let go by the Tennessee Titans. The L.A. Chargers have signed quarterback Will Greer off of the New England Patriots practice squad. Tennessee quarterback Will Levis had an MRI on Monday to determine the extent of what they were calling an ankle injury going into that. They're now saying a high ankle sprain is availability for this week and going forward into the season up in the air. Baltimore running back Keaton Mitchell suffered a torn ACL on Sunday night here against the Jaguars. We'll miss the remainder of the 2023 NFL season. Cincinnati has placed defensive tackle DJ Reader and cornerback DJ Ivy on injured reserve. Uh, the Detroit is expected to open the practice window for cornerback CJ Gardner-Johnson, who has been out since week two because of a torn pectoral injury this week. Minnesota is expected to open the 21-day practice window for linebacker Jordan Hicks this week. Kansas City running back Isaiah Pacheco is expected to play after missing the last two weeks with a shoulder injury. The Chiefs have placed wide receiver Sky Moore on injured reserve, and Pittsburgh Steelers safety DeMonte KZ has been suspended for the remainder Good. of the 2023 season for repeated violations of playing rules to protect the health and safety of players after being ejected on Saturday against the Indianapolis Colts for a hit that knocked Michael Pittman out of that game. It wasn't he the guy he took out Marquise Lee, right? That's right. Yeah. Totally dirt, totally cheap shot. I mean, that was a preseason game, if I remember right. He goes low yep. when Marquise Lee had no chance to defend himself or to react. And that's not the first time that Casey's had plays like that. The guy's been dirty his whole career. Right, exactly. And then you got, I, I mean, I get it. You, you know, coach is going to defend their guy, but Mike Tomlin's saying he's not a dirty player. I mean, if anybody was like the modern poster child for the dirty player in the NFL right now, it might be him. If you're like, he's not a household name, but if you pay attention to the National Football League, and certainly he got on our radar with the Marquise Lee play. I mean, I, I'm with you, Logs. Good. Uh, no room for that kind of stuff uh, in football or sports in general. Uh, Logs got this one on social media coming in for you today uh, from Cobalt Blue. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Do we need a run game coordinator, right? We've got a, Bernie Parmalee is the running backs coach. You have a passing game coordinator. Is that a step too far? Is that just a reaction to – we're trying to come up with a reason or a way to, to get this running game going better, but is 
you know, like, why do you have a passing game coordinator and you have an offense coordinator and you just have a running backs coach, or is this just semantics? A lot of it's just semantics. Um, if you look at the Jaguars' staff, though, the, the offensive staff, I think, is as good as there is in the National Football League. I mean, first of all, your, your head coach is an offensive-minded guy. It's uh, been proven. And Press Taylor, I think, is a good coach. You have Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach, who uh, may not have an entitled, but he has a lot of input in the run game. Uh, Mike McCoy, former head coach, offensive mind, he has a lot of experience. He's the quarterback's coach. I think he also adds a ton to this offensive mindset. So I don't think coaching is uh, is a problem. I, I think that there definitely needs to be a – what's the way to put this? Um, uh, a renewed focus, I think, on what you're trying to accomplish at times. I think sometimes you can get away with it a little bit, but I think this offensive mindset and the coaching staff does a very good job for the most part. It certainly looked like the team didn't create any space in the passing game with their receivers winning clean this week. Outside of the Agnew play, downfield, like that's the one play where it felt like they created some space. Did you see the same thing and how much of an issue has that been this year, or is that something that's creeping up recently? No, I, th- I think in this past game, I thought when when there wasn't open guys, that I thought that two things happened. One, when the Ravens played man, they did a very good job of matching up, and we didn't do a very good job of winning. When the Ravens played zone, they do a great job. That's one thing that they do is a great job of matching up in a zone coverage. And a lot of people say, well, what does matching up mean? Well, when you play a zone coverage, you're not out there just covering blades of grass. I mean, you kind of are, but you try to match, okay, the guy that's in your zone or close to your zone if there are nobody uh, is, in fact, in your zone. And the Ravens give them credit. I mean, look, they're the number two defense for a reason. Uh, very good football team, very well coached, uh, and they've got good players across the board, and give them credit. All right, continue along here with uh, Jeff Logman. You know, I know you're talking about this coaching staff and all that. We, we got a call in the post game uh, on Sunday, something to the effect of why do we keep going with press Taylor as the play caller and la la la. And like, we are not doing anything. Doug Peterson has total control over how he assigns the roles on his offensive staff. Right. And uh, from our understanding, he's still very involved, even though press Taylor is the ultimate play caller, certainly is involved in putting together the game plan logs. If, Doug Peterson felt like his personal touch would make the difference. Don't you think he would take those duties back, whether he made a big deal out of it or not? Well, no, because here's why, Mike. I think every coach has the confidence that they think that, especially head coach who has the offensive mind, that they believe that their personal touch would make a difference. Just that they've got to have that mindset. But I also think as a head coach, you've got to be able to allow your coaches to coach. Once you give them a job and an assignment, you've got to let them do their job. Now, if you want to change it in the future, you'll change it in the future. But you don't change things up midstream. Uh, but, I mean. I, Plenty of coaches do, though, Logs. Sure, hey, Sirianni I'm taking over play calling duties. Well, I mean, we Sirianni did it kind of in an indirect way. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Um but uh, I also believe that there's also something to be said for saying, hey, look, you know, we're committed to this. And then also during the week, Doug is very involved. So it's not like Doug's not involved. And then he's going to say, well, you know, 
I'm going to go ahead and be involved now. I mean, I, he's involved right now, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'm I understand. I, I'm just saying, like, know? if he felt like there was something, like, if he felt like Press Taylor's play calling was the thing that's holding them back, Doug Peterson's a Super Bowl winning coach, man. He's not just going to sit on his hands. You know what I mean? I, right. I, it's more that I'm kind of agreeing with you that he has empowered his guy. He's involved in the process. He believes in what he's doing. It, it, and it, he thought it was what was holding them back from having success. Ultimately, all he has to do is decide to make that switch. And, you know, so it's not it's not like we are, you know, by uh, um, proclamation making Press no. Taylor the play caller here. No, and I think it's fair. The, the fans that we interact with have spoken, right? They've spoken when it was announced that Press Taylor was going to be the play caller. They were like, what are we doing? Like, we got that reaction when they said it week one, and we're still getting that reaction now from probably the same fans who felt the way that they felt about it going into week one. Are you seeing anything, Jeff, that makes it for you an issue where Doug Peterson should be stepping in, or do you think Press Taylor's doing the job well enough that the whole thing is just kind of on the same level that it has been all season at this point? I think he's doing fine. Uh, I mean, when I say fine, I think he can be better. Okay, but I don't think that you change it because I think when you change it, it sends the wrong message to your football team that, oh, we're panicking. Okay, look, you're, you're the number one seed in your division right now, number four seed in the AFC. Let's not overreact. And because if you send that message, then it can't, you can't return that message and just kind of tuck it away and bury it in, in the sand. You know, it's always out there. So, no. Leave it as it is, and if you want to make a change or something of that nature, changes are for the offseason, in my opinion. All right, let's get one more call in before the next break, and uh, that is Papa G on the line for Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. What's up, Papa G? Hey, what's up, gentlemen? Merry, Merry Christmas. Appreciate you taking the call. Likewise. Listen, yeah, what I would like to see, man, and is more passes across the middle. I don't know what's going on with all these sidelines and screens and stuff, but I'd love to see uh, more passes across the middle. And uh, number two, I'm a patient guy. Uh, I, I know I can't wait for the next three games, but, boy, look out for next year. I think we're going to be a really, really, really great team next year. And uh, speaking about Calvin Ridley, uh, we got to remember he's been out of the league for two years. And, and, Jeff, I guess you can attest that that's a long time to be out of the league, but I don't know if it's communication or just being away from the game or what it is, but uh, I, I would like to see him get more involved and, uh, and get things together. Uh, listen, uh, good luck on your uh, redneck, hot, redneck hot tub. And uh, tell Merle I said Merry Christmas and give him a dog bone. Talk to you all, all right. later. Thank you, Papa G. Uh, look, uh, I would. People always kind of want to see different things out of this offense. Mm-hmm. You know, Papa G talks about the middle of the field, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a big fan of that. And one thing that we really haven't done a ton of, and we saw one completion to Luke Farrell in the middle, but we haven't seen Evan Ingram. How many completions seen, have we seen where he's yeah. kind of running the seam? We haven't seen a ton of that. So we'd like to see more of that. Sure. You know, you just like to see more successful plays overall yeah. as an as an offense. Well, but, their most uh, effective player in the middle of the field is Christian Kirk. He's hurt. Right. From the slot. Yeah. And I think – and here's the reality. Calvin Ridley's probably the – if you went back and you looked at what he played in the prior years when he played, was in that Christian Kirk role. Yeah. And when Christian went down in a in a – in a perfect world, you take, hey, Calvin, just move right in there and take mm-hmm. that role. I don't think they had the confidence 
that that would be a smooth transition just because of some of the communication issues that they were having with Calvin at the other position. And you'd like to be able to just move him in there and never miss a beat from yeah. that position. Yeah. But that's not what happened. When you have the game like Calvin had against Cleveland, where a couple of the interceptions, maybe not directly, but at least indirectly, because of what's going on with Calvin Ridley, putting him in the spot where you put Christian Kirk, where so much of what he's doing is option route stuff, right? Like he's playing off the defense. He's got whatever that connection is with Trevor Lawrence to do all that. I can understand the coaching staff looking at it saying, I'm not sure yeah, they're a little about reluctant. Calvin Ridley being yeah. put in that kind of spot. We don't have that level of trust with and him. they're not going to say that. With Kirk, right, and they shouldn't publicly. No. You know, that's behind closed doors. They can have those conversations. Their answer to the question about why isn't Calvin Ridley running more of that is – He's not running more of that, right? Like, if they felt comfortable with him doing it, he'd be doing it. It's not like they're not trying to win, and they don't see that Calvin Ridley's been effective doing that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, the communication between him and the quarterback right now is not at the level where they feel comfortable asking him to do no, that. No, it's not, and and will it ever get there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what happens in the future, but I, I hope it gets better just because – He's a he's an excellent route runner, yeah. But, but they got to get on the same page. You can be a great route runner, but if the quarterback doesn't know what route you're running, or you're not running the right route, or he's not anticipating, doesn't matter. You know, you can have the greatest receiver and great quarterback in the world, but if there's no chemistry to where they're on the same page, it doesn't matter. All right, uh, we'll take our final time out here on a check the tape Tuesday. There's still time for you to get in in all the various ways, social media. The text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, even on the uh, All Pro Roofing phone lines. Got some social media questions backlogged here for Jeff, and we'll go through them as rapidly as we can before we get done today. On a Check the Tape Tuesday, you're listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, final few minutes here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Got a couple of callers on the line. We want to get to them quickly. Uh, but, Logs, first, let's uh, give you today's question in the form of the 1010 Take. 1010. 1010 Take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 Take. Brought to you by JM Roofing Jacksonville, your storm restoration specialist. All right, Logs, uh, Leland on social media asked, uh, just what is up with Trevor's decision-making? You throw the ball as well as anybody, but sometimes misses open receivers. Uh, you know, the decision-making at the end of the half, things like that. Like, is this a concern for you, just the situational football awareness for Trevor Lawrence? And if so, how much can you improve that? Well, I think Doug talked about that this year of, of working – with Trevor to to increase his awareness in situational football. And I think that's always a, a never-ending process with a quarterback. The more experience that they get, the, the better decisions that they make. And this past game, I kind of have a hard time pointing to this last game as evidence one way or another just because of the concussion. And uh, I know that, uh, that they've talked about that it happened on the last drive. I don't believe that. Um, I would say that it happened there at the end of the third quarter. So mm-hmm. so I'm not going to sit there and, and look at this past game as evidence of a bigger picture situation with Trevor. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, there you go. Thank you, Leland, for the question. Let's uh, get out to a couple of calls here before we close up shop today. Uh, John is next on the west side on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Hello, John. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Favorite Merry Christmas. day of the week. Uh, just, a, just a quick question. I'm just curious about something, Jeff. In negotiations, with player negotiations, like with Trevor's negotiations coming up, does he have the swag to, like, say, listen, unless you guys build me, uh, like, a wall of Duval, I might take my services elsewhere? I mean, is that something that's even possible to other players? Has anybody ever done that before? And uh, I just want to get your opinion on that. Thanks for everything, and I'll take your comments off the air. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, John, for the question. And uh, I think franchise quarterbacks have tremendous sway. And if Trevor goes into – coach's office or ownership's office and says, hey, look, we need to do a better job in X area, then X area will get addressed. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, That's the kind of sway that franchise quarterbacks have. And obviously, the better they play, the more sway that they have. Well, we've watched the last two years, Aaron Rodgers has controlled what two franchises are or aren't doing, right? (laughs) Like, it's, it's been a big deal what Aaron needed you know, in these different spots. I don't think Trevor's to that kind of point, you know, but certainly if he expresses, I I need this, then the team's going to do what they can to give him what he wants uh, to be as successful as they can be with Trevor. And it's not like if he comes and says, I need a better offensive line, they're going to go, what are you talking about? They're going to go, yeah, you're right. You know? That's like, right. Like that's the situation they're in right now. Well, it's, it's I mean, another example, C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. You know, C.J. Stroud, who hasn't even taken a snap as a starter, kind of insinuated with management of the Houston Texans that, man, I really liked working with this Tank Dell guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, Tank Dell gets drafted. So, I I would venture to guess that also when uh, a change was made in, in at the coaching position in 2021, I'll, I would – Venture to guess, okay, because I wasn't there or part of it or anything. I would venture to guess that Trevor probably had a little input on that. Mm-hmm. So I would think going forward he would have input on a lot of matters. But you uh, you also still have to make the best decisions for your franchise. You just don't go say, well, you know what, we're going to do everything that he says. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get Craig on the north side here quickly to close things up. Craig, uh, what do you got for us, buddy? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, Good. Look, in my opinion, for Trevor to make requests, uh, he needs to concentrate more on Trevor, okay? Um, the, one of the reasons that this offense is sputtered, and no one wants to say it, because if you say anything bad about Trevor Lawrence, you know, people freak out. Yeah, he's, he's had an average year, okay? I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying, I, uh, you know, that he sucks. But the bottom line is he's an average starter right now. And all this blame always goes to, um, uh, what's the receiver's name, Ridley, that he's running the wrong route. Well, I've seen several occasions where he's open and he doesn't get the ball. I've seen several occasions when Trevor throws him the ball is not throwing the ball accurately to him. So a lot of the blame for this offense sputtering, not just lately but all year, is the average play of the quarterback, in my opinion. Well, look uh... – you can always look at the quarterback and say that his performance needs better. And I don't think anybody's sitting there exonerating Trevor no, of any haven't responsibility. Been all year. And, uh, but the reality is, too, is that this is a very quarterback-centric offense. And uh, so if it's going to be a very quarterback-centric offense, then all the components that are involved 
around the quarterback have to be exactly where they need to be and perform like they need to be. And some of those components haven't been up to where you want them this year. And Trevor's performance hasn't been up to where you want it this year. You know, look, the reality is I sit there and say that, you know, the fourth quarter of that performance, you know, I would not point to Trevor and say, oh, that was terrible by him because I think he was dealing with uh, a concussed uh, head. Uh, But look, the fumble, the unforced fumble was early in the ball game. Yeah. Uh, And some of the uh, decision-making early in the ball game was on him. So uh, it is what it is. And the reality is that we always end up giving a lot of credit to the quarterback when they win, and we give a lot of blame to the quarterback when they lose. But the reality is, too, again, this is probably a a little different situation than, like, San Francisco. You know, I mean, San Francisco, you've got so many different components of the offense that Mm -hmm. people are pointing to as to why it's working. But if you put Trevor in that offense, I think that they perform just as good, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, We'll wrap up this Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman here in just a moment. But first, let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. As we say hey to Leon, seriously, I love the, the listeners out there who think if we would just be willing to be critical of Trevor Lawrence, we would fix all the problems for the mm. Jaguars. Yeah, that, that, that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure. <laughs> right? Like we yeah. haven't been critical yeah, of We him. have. Absolutely. We've like been critical of everybody. When Every, no, one's, no one's barred from criticism when you lose three straight. No. No one's no. exempt. No. Well, and Leon, who was be. the best center you ever played with? Damani Dawson. Easy. Damani Dawson was the best center I ever does played with. Does he have with. any kids? Hey, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> he does. He does have a son, but his son has no interest in football. No? <laughs> he to- he to- I remember him telling me he has a son and a daughter. I remember him telling me, because if I ever get a son, he is not playing football. I'm playing football, so he doesn't have so to play. So he doesn't have to play. Absolutely. He, but he was so quick. He was, man. He was so dominant, bro. He was so – listen, I can tell you, it was one play that I that I knew that my game needed to be elevated. We, we were at a toss 30-U crack, all right? And at the center, the, if the Mike linebacker has moved over and he can't get to him, that means he has to pull. And I'm right there, and the tight end comes down, I come around, and I'm pulling, and he's right on my hip. I'm like, wait a minute now. That's not supposed to happen. I'm supposed to beat you around the corner. That He elevated my game because I knew – he was that good. He was the f- first center that I remember that 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 pulled on a regular basis. Yes, and could and, and the snap was money every time. A lot of centers, if you asked them to pull when they were going to snap, yeah. they would screw the snap up or the snap would be off <laughs> off the mark somehow. Yeah, absolutely. But him, it was perfect every it was perfect. time. It was absolutely, and he perfect. could run like a deer. And let me tell you another thing, real quick, before I go. Ron Earhart hated him. You know why he hated him? Hated because Damani? He, he, let me tell you why he hated him. Because he was so freaking nice. Damani would come in the meeting room and say, hey, coach, how did I play today? Oh, you played lousy. Oh, well, coach, you know, I'll do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he was, bro. He was the type of person where he would he would kill you on the field, but then he would bake you cookies. Uh-huh. He was That's that awesome. kind of guy, man. I love That's him, awesome. man. He's my, he's how many years did he play? Damani played, I believe Damani played 13 years for the Steelers. Wow. Yeah. What do you player. got coming up on primetime? Uh, well, we got Jazz, we got recruiting, and we got Coach Campbell coming up. All right. We'll be listening. You Noon to three. Appreciate Thank you, Leon, it. the big man, uh, stepping out of the studio. Jeff, what do you got coming up leading up to game day Sunday? We got Christmas coming, Tony. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, and until we get to Christmas, uh, Thursday, our, our regular stuff. We have happy hour with me and J.P. Shadrick. Also, 
the Doug Peterson show, Jaguars All Access on Thursday, the Outdoor Show on Saturday, and then on Sunday, which is Christmas Eve, we have game day kicking off. I think our uh, stuff starts at ten. Obviously, the stuff some of the stuff starts before that on this mm-hmm. show. But uh, but yeah, looking forward to that game. It's not ten; it's four o'clock kick. It's four. Yeah, bro. Kick. I'm like, yeah, I ain't coming in that early, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it ain't happening. I kind of like. O'clock. I kind of like the four o'clock kick on uh, on Sunday a little bit. I don't like it. Not, not on, on Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve, man. No. Nope. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> don't love getting home at you know no, nine forty-five on Christmas no, Eve. No. But here's the best thing, though. At least we're in state. Yeah. Okay, for those that of us that are traveling, I yeah. mean, at least we're in state on Christmas Eve. We could be in Seattle, and then what is it? New England and somebody else, Denver, plays on Christmas Eve at night on the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. That would suck. <laughs> no good. Yes, yeah. it would. Yes, it would. All right, Logs, uh, we appreciate your service as always. Merry Christmas to Merry you and Christmas. yours. And let's hopefully look back on a win next week. We oh, all yes. enjoy that. Um, just a quick note for those in the uh, Jaguars Today Fantasy Leagues who have advanced. We have reseeded for the semifinals, as is the case. Uh, always the top seed remaining plays the lowest seed remaining. And uh, good luck to the remaining teams in there and out of uh, the what do we have 12 teams left tony Mm -hmm. uh you and i've got four of them so there we go uh let's let's block them out let's win all those (laughs) titles baby Uh, that's the way we like it around these parts all right it's going to do it for us today for jeff logman tony smith and dylan denmark i'm mike dempsey thanks as always for listening to jaguars today and stick around for xl primetime next on 1010 xl and 92.5 fm